Israel's end time wars. What does the Bible have to say about that? Stay tuned. I'm Vic Batista with Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministries, and we have a great program prepared for you today. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host Nathan Jones to the program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Brother, it's back to be good to always be with you each week on the Truth Will Set You Free. And uh, folks, we're glad you could join us on this podcast at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Uh, <laughs> we've been now, what, 10, 12 years on this podcast? So uh, we hope that folks will come to our website, ChristinProphecy.org, and check us out. Because we have quite a number of other prof uh, podcasts. We've archived them all on all sorts of different topics concerning Bible prophecy. So check us out, ChristinProphecy.org. Ooh, amazing. Thank you, Nathan. Again, for those of you that are new to the program, take advantage of these wonderful resources. We're living in exciting times for the church, and we want you to be excited and be encouraged regarding what the Bible has to say about the end times. We believe Bible prophecies to encourage people not to bring fear, but we're here to educate and to encourage you. So, Nathan, it's always exciting when you and I have the opportunity to do that. Nathan, I mean, it seems like the world uh, is always um, in shambles and people are always uh, freaking out or worried or concerned. And I, I think you would agree that that sometimes comes from the lack of knowledge of the Word of God or understanding the Scriptures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, perfect love casts out fear, right? As it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. So it's true. Uh, we are in a quite a time period, obviously. A lot of prophecies coming together, a lot of signs of the end times. And uh, they're not uh, comforting ones. A lot of them are scary. Other than the mass evangelism, uh, there's a lot of scary times. We live in scary times, so I totally understand what people feel. And then with the Israeli-Hamas war breaking out since Israel's 73rd birthday on May 14th, uh, it's a lot of people are wondering, where does this fit on the prophetic timeline? Is this the Psalm 83 war? Or is this Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Gog and Magog war? Or is this Armageddon? I mean, people are wondering. So, Vic, what do you think? Uh, why don't we pray and then uh, jump in it and help relieve people's fears? Absolutely. Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word. And Lord, it is exciting uh, to see what you're doing. Uh, in the midst of tragedy, there's always blessings. So we pray today that you anoint our time, our words, and that you will open up the hearts and minds of individuals to understand what you want to say to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Nathan, I, I think it's just fantastic. In the past, you and I have talked about wars and the rumors of wars and the various end time wars. And a lot of people are not familiar with what the Bible has to say regarding that. But Nathan, Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 1 through 6, actually 3 through 6, uh, when the disciples came to Jesus and they were asking him about future events, he outlined for them certain things there that we're going to talk about today that really is going to shed light what was going on in today's uh, modern world. Uh, Nathan, will you be able to take us there, Matthew 24, uh, verses 3 through 6 for us? Absolutely. Uh, it's a fantastic passage, but Matthew 24, it's got parallels in Luke 21 and Mark 13. And when we talk about signs of the end times, these are the chapters where Jesus gives us 10 signs to look out for that answer three questions. Starting in verse 3, it says, Now he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for 
all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Mm. You know, Nathan, and, and I love the passage too. Uh, something that comes to my mind is because Jesus was speaking there. He says that there will be wars and rumors of wars. But now we're really gotten to the point where these are not rumors. You and I are seeing actual wars. We're seeing rockets flying over Israel uh, to the people. We see them, uh, the Iron Dome doing its job. But the Bible does say that there's going to be a number of end time wars uh, that Israel is going to be involved in. Right. And the ninth sign of the 10 signs that Jesus gives is where all the nations are gathered against Israel. Now, we're not up to that point yet. We're certainly seeing many nations of the world against Israel. Uh, if you want to know that the spiritual warfare is behind the anti-Semitic hatred of Israel, look at all these people like the squad and, and different leaders of, of government, some free, supposedly, condemning Israel for defending itself against Hamas's attack against Israel. Now, this is Hamas attacking Israel with missiles, and uh, they're backed by Iran. Iran promised a week before Hamas exploded that they were going to retaliate for having their uh, reactor set on fire. So we know Iran is behind this too. Iran's ayatollahs have a purpose in mind. They want the 12th Imam, the Mahdi, to show, and the only way to do that is if they start basically a global jihadic war. So we're seeing even people with the wrong eschatology trying to force events to push it towards what they see as the coming of the Mahdi. Uh, and so we're seeing uh, in the Middle East uh, this old hatred. I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands of years of hatred between the uh, Palestinians, who many are Syrians, but some are descendants of the Edomites or Esau. So we could go all the way to Abraham's son, Isaac, and Esau. And so <laughs> we're talking about uh, you know, almost 30, wow, 3,700-year-old family feud that just won't end until the Prince of Peace returns and sets it right. So yeah, there'll be lots of wars, there's rumors of wars coming, and we're seeing Israel and Hamas fighting. Lebanon, as of today, as of this recording, started shooting missiles in Israel, so we know this is gonna expand into Lebanon, all these terrorist groups. So yeah, the whole world is starting to come against Israel, and so that begs the question, where are we on the prophetic timeline? Where is these wars fit into the end time scenario? Mm, excellent point, Nathan. And okay, again, for those of you that just tuned in, Vic Batista and Nathan Jones, Lamb Lion Ministry, our program, The Truth Will Set You Free. Again, we're talking about Israel's end time wars and where are we at now in the prophetic calendar. And Nathan, again, some people, they always think of the Gog and Magog war, uh, but we're going to clarify that when they, these things take place, the timing of them, but also what we believe could occur prior to the Gog and Magog war. And I know you have a wonderful outline for us in terms of how these wars are going to play out. But Nathan, I, I was thinking before we do so, because one of the questions that people are asking is, is this a Psalm 83 war? Would you be able to go with me there to Psalm 83 um, as we read verses one through eight, and then we'll give some context to what's going on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's turn to Psalm 28. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> psalm 83. It's a psalm of Asaph the seer. I, as I wanted to say Asaph. So this isn't a psalm of, of David. It's uh, his seer or his prophet Asaph. And he says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. 
They said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They formed a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Wow. Now, Nathan, you and I know uh, Bill Silas wrote, wrote a wonderful book regarding this, but uh, a few things there. I mean, the, the, the speech that is being uttered here in some is much like what we're hearing today. They want Israel wiped out of the face of the earth. There's a confederacy there. There's these nations coming together and, and the purpose is to destroy uh, the people of this land. Right. And again, this is 3,000-year-old prophecy. So you're right. Well, some people say Psalm 83, it's not a prophecy. But look at the nations that are described here. The tents of Edom would be considered the Palestinians in South Jordan because Jordan is the Palestinian state. They don't need a two-state solution. Jordan already is the Palestinian state. The Ishmaelites are the Saudis. Uh, Moab today would be considered the Palestinians of Central Jordan. The Hagrites or the Hagarenes are the Egyptians. Uh, Gebel is Hezbollah in northern Le uh, Lebanon, and Ammon is uh, northern Jordan, that'd be the Palestinians there. Amalek are the Arabs of the Sinai area. Philistia is, of course, the Gaza Strip, ruled by Hamas today. Tyre is Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, with Hezbollah being another terrorist organization. And Assyria is the Syrians, uh, which Assyria stretched into northern Iraq in ancient times. So here this prophecy is about God calling down condemnation on the nations that directly border Israel. Now, no time ever, even under King Solomon, has Israel subjugated the countries that are attacking them. We saw in 1948, as soon as Israel formed a nation, many of those countries came and attacked Israel, and miraculously, Israel survived. But it wasn't all the ones listed there. So we know that this is a prophecy about the future, where at some point, God is going to, through the Israeli Defense Forces overcome the nations that directly border Israel. If you're looking for a where we are with Israel dealing with Hamas, I would call it a birth pain, a little birth pain, leading up to the Psalm 83 war. Could Israel this explode? And it's not just Hamas, but then Lebanon, as we're seeing, jumps in. Syria has already been already at a state of war. Maybe Jordan and Egypt drops its peace treaty with Israel and starts attacking. Anyway, these nations will come together in an attempt to overthrow Israel, and Israel will defeat them and control over them and grow as a nation because of it. So the current condition now geopolitically is that Israel cannot continue to deal with constant attacks by neighbors, hostile neighbors that are united, and what are they united by? Islam. And so this is a prophetic war that I believe in. Like you said, Bill Salas makes a fantastic argument for it. People really want to dive into the Psalm 83 war, go to his uh, website at Prophecy Depot, and you'll learn a lot about that. I, our ministry believes this Psalm 83 war is the next prophetic war. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nathan. And, and that's exactly what we're wanting to uh, line up here is these, these events. What is When will these events take place? What does the Bible have to say about it? And, and what is the time frame for them? And Nathan, again, as you mentioned, this is like a, 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 I'm thinking myself here of a, a chess chess game and you see all the pieces lining up and then you see the each piece making its move. And soon we're noticing that it's going to come to that place where it's almost like that checkmate, you know? 
And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everything is going to start uh, uh, making more sense. It is, and Israel is called God's prophetic time clock because, as Jesus said in what we read in Matthew 24, if we kept reading, we would find eventually that that what happens to Israel is the ultimate sign. So you can see how the world reacts to Israel, how the world deals with Israel. Is You can follow that prophetically into these end-time wars, especially the ones that fall into the tribulation. So that, that kind of bears the question, too. Uh, what about the rapture of the church? Uh, how does the rapture of the church fall into this prophetic timeline? Well, the rapture is an imminent event, as you know, so nothing needs to precede it for the rapture to happen. So the Psalm 83 war could happen before the rapture. It could happen after the rapture. Uh, but I believe it's the second war that follows this that really determines how the rapture fits into the end time scenario. And that would be the Gog and Magog war as found in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Mm. And Nathan, of course, and you and I have spoken extensively there regarding that war in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And again, certain nations are mentioned there. And these are nations that we starting to see, although we have seen rise up as uh, superpowers, even as we speak. Right. If you really want to get into the timing of the Gog and Magog war as prophesied in Ezekiel 38 and 39, I did a one hour academic presentation. You can find it under sermons on our website at christandprophecy.org that'll get you really into the details of the arguments for all the various times. So I point you to that. Vic and I here don't have enough time to really get into now why, but I believe the bulk of the evidence points to the Gog and Magog War, two whole chapters dedicated to it, talking about a war uh, that, that follows chapters 36 and 37, which is a prophecy about Israel returning the land. Well, that's already happened. Israel is exactly. returning the land again. But Israel doesn't have the spirit. They, the body is reconstituted. The Valley of Dry Bones is back into a body again. Israel is a nation once more, but it still lacks the spirit, the love of God and his son, Jesus Christ. So that's the part of it is Ezekiel 38 and 39. So let's see that because of the Psalm 83 war, Israel conquers the nations around it and finally subdues them. Well, there's an outer ring of Islamic nations, Iran and Turkey, Sudan, all those stands, and it's going to be led by Russia, who wants to plunder Israel for its wealth. And we know in the last few years, Israel's wealth has been that amazing natural gas find off in the Mediterranean that's directly competing with Russia's dominance of giving natural gas into Israel and pretty much will bankrupt Russia. So this is a survival thing for Russia. So the Bible prophesies in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that this leader who's designated Gog and if it is today, it'd be Vladimir Putin or some general or something will lead this coalition of nations against Israel in an attempt to destroy her. Now, Israel, obviously, her military cannot stand up against the combined might of these nations. Uh, but God supernaturally steps in and he uses amazing things, Vic, all sorts of uh, biblical type of judgments, fire and brimstone and earthquakes. And the uh, this is all on the mountains of Israel. This army gets right into Israel and the nations turn on each other, and then God sends fire and destroys these nations. So the end result of the Gog-Magog war is that Israel, all the Jews, will give up their secular humanism and turn to God. The whole world will know that God exists, and geopolitically, Islam and Russia will no longer be a world player. So uh, because God's focus is off the church and onto Israel so fully here, I believe this is an event after the rapture, but just before at the very onset of the tribulation. 
Mm, I love it. And Nathan, of course, and for those of you that are tuning into the program, whenever you get a chance, turn to Ezekiel 38 and 39. And uh, they're right on verses 1 and 2 of Ezekiel 38 and verses 1 and 2 of Ezekiel 39. You can see clearly that God is against a rush. And, and Nathan, I'm so glad that you clarified the ancient names given to these modern nations, because that's what people sometimes get confused. Uh, but these ancient names are the 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 nations that we see today, just uh, like Rush, Russia. And uh, and that's why people sometimes need to recognize that this is not ancient uh, um, history here. This is things that is developing right before our eyes. Yeah, I mean, the prophets could only use the names that were given to them of the nations during their time period. Obviously, the nations evolved and changed over the years, but the people groups remained. And so like Persia, for instance, it really wasn't even until what, the early 1900s that Persia changed its name to Iran. And so we've got quite a number of nation states, but we can look at them. They're the same people groups that exist in that time period. Their descendants are here. And so, yeah, I, we're looking at uh, what's going again, just to recap, what's going on between Israel and Hamas is not Ezekiel 38 and 39. Uh, the players are totally different. If Russia, Turkey and uh, Iran and Sudan jumped in, that would be the Gog and Magog war. But again, the first of nine wars of the end times, and Vic and I are going to cover nine here, is the Psalm 83 war, and the second one is the Gog and Magog war. Excellent. And again, Nathan, that, that's fantastic. And we're giving people scripture so they can, for homework, uh, check these out. So number three, Nathan. Number three is now we're getting into the tribulation. The Antichrist rises out of Europe, and he, create, he makes a peace treaty with Israel, as Daniel 9 says. Some say it's so that Israel will have peace. I think it's so that the, the Antichrist can protect himself from God. Remember, the whole world knows there's a God because of the Gog and Magog war. And so as he's uh, rocketed basically to power over the world, he does have to consolidate it and conquer parts of it. And that's where you get into Revelation 6, which talks about the conventional war of the tribulation. The first seal judgment of the 21 judgments released is the Antichrist. And the second one is global war. And the third and fourth seal judgments are the result of war, famine, death, plague, so much so that a quarter of the world population will die from this third prophetic war. So we call it the conventional war of the tribulation. It's the war where the Antichrist consolidates his empire and forces everybody under his rule. And again, a quarter of the world population, Vic, you know, two to three billion people are going to die as a result of this war. So World War III if we had to call it a World War III, this would be it. World War III is coming around the corner after the Gog and Magog War. Absolutely. And for those of you, those individuals that, that maybe understand it better as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, that's uh, that's what we're, that's exactly it right there, Revelation 6. That, that, yeah, thank you, Vic. Yeah, that, when you hear the four horsemen of the apocalypse, it's basically talking about the Antichrist global war uh, to conquer the world and set the world up with a one world government and a one world leader something the world is talking about a lot lately. Mm, that's true. And uh, Nathan, uh, number four? Number four is that the war devolves into a nuclear war. You read in Revelation 8 and 9 that the fourth end times war will be nuclear in nature. And we uh, obviously the Bible doesn't say this is a nuclear war, but you can see the sky receding like a scroll, the people getting sores all over them, a uh, third of the world being poisoned. A, a lot of this is... It sounds like a nuclear war. And so, again, I'm not saying these nine wars are etched in stone. Uh, this is our interpretation of it. But I think the evidence is, and a lot of theologians back this up, that these nine wars are in this particular order. And so that the at some point, this 
great nuclear arsenal that's been locked away for so many years that God's restraining hand has been holding back will be released. And another, it says another quarter of the world population will die as a result of these, these destructions. So we're talking about in, in the seven-year tribulation, in the first half, half the world population, we're at about eight trillion uh, people, uh, excuse me, <laughs> eight billion people right now. So we're talking about almost four billion people are going to die within a few year time span. Horrific, man. Absolutely horrific. It'll make the COVID days seem like a picnic in comparison. Amazing. And again, Nathan, there's always a little bit of good news there. You you made a good point. This is during the tribulation. We believe Christians, if you trust Christ, you will not be here for that. But this is the reality of what these events hold. And number five, Nathan? Excellent point. Uh, yeah, don't be scared if you already accepted Jesus, your Savior. We won't be here to see many of these wars because they, they fall in the tribulation. Well, at the middle of the tribulation, this is a war that doesn't happen on earth but happens in heaven. The fifth war is the war in the heavens. And Revelation 12 says Satan, who continues to get access to the throne room of God, will try one more time, like he did at the, uh, at the creation, to overthrow God. Of course, he can't defeat God. He gets kicked out, permanently banned from heaven. He comes down to earth and it says he he prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour because he knows his time is short. So Satan is then cast down to the earth. And that's where we get into the sixth war is his rage is against the Jews and those people who become saved during the tribulation. We call them tribulation saints. And that's also in Revelation 12. The sixth war is the war against the Jews and the saints. And so Satan wants to thwart God's plan by removing the very people who are essential to that plan, and that's the Jewish people and the Christians. And he will spend the second half of the tribulation on a murder spree, trying to kill as many Jews and Christians as he can. Nathan, that is like uh, anti-Semitism on steroids. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Right. I mean, you release the constraints that are on the human heart, and all the evil will flow out, especially anti-Semitism. you got to wonder why there's so much anti-Semitism against the Jewish people. It's a spiritual battle. It's spiritual in nature. It's Satan's hatred of the Jewish people because God gave them to us as an example of his redemptive story. We got the Bible through them, the Messiah through them, and Jesus has promises to restore a remnant to salvation. So Satan wants to stop that. But Satan's obsession with the Jewish people uh, and all the devastation on the earth will cause the kings underneath them. He'll have 10 kings that will divide the world and rule under him. They start rebelling. And this is where we get to the seventh end time war you read about in Daniel 11. It's called the Middle Eastern Campaign of the Antichrist. The king of the south, likely over Africa, will rebel against the Antichrist, will form an army and put it down. But then the kings from the east, likely uh, China and all, this is where we see China and Japan all raise their heads. They'll march an army of 200 million people across the dried up Euphrates River and into the Valley of Jezreel, which we know as Armageddon. And that is the true battle of Armageddon. Joel 3, Zechariah 14, Revelation 19. The eighth end time war is the battle of Armageddon. And really it's a civil war between the Antichrist and his opposing armies. But Satan uses it to unite the armies together in anticipation of Jesus Christ's return. And that's exactly what happens. Jesus is second coming. It's the very last day of the seven year tribulation. He bursts from the clouds. The Christians are following him on white horses. The church is following him. And we watch Jesus single-handedly defeat the Antichrist and Satan and the false prophet. And Satan is bound to a pit for a thousand years. 
And as a result of that war, Jesus sets up his kingdom, which he rules and reigns from Jerusalem. And it's a thousand years of peace and righteousness and justice. Ooh. See, Nathan, and most of most, this is the point where most people close their Bibles and they think it's over, but it's not. Not at all, because there's still a Jesus thousand year kingdom. And this is where we get to the ninth and final battle, Revelation 20. Uh, we call it the second battle of Gog and Magog. It's a kind of reference back to what happens at Gog and Magog. Satan is released and the Lord releases him likely for the reason that everybody gets a chance to choose Jesus or not. Even the people in the millennial kingdom will be people born to the tribulation saints and they'll get to choose Jesus or not. And when Satan's released, will be a rallying point for those who want to rebel against the Lord. And, and sadly, we learn that many people who are born during the millennial kingdom will side with Satan in an attempt to overthrow Jesus. But he sends fire down. He doesn't waste time. He burns them up. The great white throne judgment happens and we move on into the eternal state. So that's a summary of the nine end times wars as found in the Bible. And amazing. And Nathan, of course, this is amazing because during that time, there's also the millennium where we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. And even here we find it's not going to be yet a perfect, peaceful earth as we see this last war. No, you know, mankind always thinks that a utopian society can be created, but as long as there's a sin nature, you can never create a utopia. Even with Jesus physically ruling and reigning, uh, people in their hearts will be wanting to rebel against them. You know, the lusts of the skin, sin and desires of the flesh will desire to overthrow Jesus so that they can do whatever they want. We're seeing that in our nation today as the, as the morality seems to be falling apart and lawlessness seems to be abounding. People are rebelling against law. And that's one of the reasons why the Antichrist is called the man of lawlessness. He He's like the ultimate Antifa guy. He rises to create lawlessness, but then sets himself up as a dictator, which is always what happens when there's a lawless rebellion. A dictator always comes out of it. So uh, we're getting closer to those times, brother, I, I really believe. And uh, But we know that Jesus' reign is coming, and then eventually we have the eternal state, and the eternal state, man, is meant to be where the Garden of Eden again, where God had fellowship with man face to face. We'll see the face of the Father. We'll walk and talk and have fellowship in a sinless world once more. And that is the whole history wrapped up from, from Eden to the eternal state is the redemption of mankind, a remnant of mankind to have fellowship with God once more. I think that's fantastic, Nathan. I think that as we close those wars, one thing that you mentioned is there that in Revelation 20, we recognize even with Satan bound, even with, with us ruling and reigning on earth, the sin, the problem is the heart. And that's why people need a heart transplant, a heart transformation. And that can only happen through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right, Nathan? And that's why you and I oftentimes close a program with an invitation encouraging people come to Christ let him change you from the inside out because he is the only one that can truly bring peace into your life and Nathan would you be able to share with that person on the other side that maybe doesn't have a relationship with the Lord even right now how they can receive the heart transformation well absolutely uh, if if you're a Christian then this time period though a little fearful should give you expectations of joy because we know the Lord's plan is coming together and uh, we will be raptured off this earth and uh, we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ forever. That's exciting. And to grab hold of that, you need to turn from your sins, repent, and ask the Lord in faith to be your Savior. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
So if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and uh, you have put your faith and trust in him, then in repentance, pray from your heart something like, Dear Jesus, please, I know I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. Please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And your sins will be forgiven. Your guilt will be washed clean, and you will inherit eternal life with Jesus forever. You can be excited about the future. Oh, that is great news, Nathan. Thank you so much for sharing that. And hey, and if that's you and you have just received a spiritual heart transplant and you accepted Jesus into your heart, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call 305-992-9537. Call us or text us. Those of you following us on social media, post there that you received the Lord. And we would love to send you a Bible so that you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. We also want to encourage you to find a church, a good Bible teaching church, preferably one that will teach you Bible prophecy and let them know you accepted Christ and that you want to be baptized. And listen, if you find yourself in the Daytona Beach area, come our way. I'll be glad to take you to the beach and baptize you here as well. So we're very excited for you. We want to say congratulations for receiving the Lord, and we're just rejoicing with you. Nathan, what exciting news you left us with as we closed our program. There's always good news. There's always good news. I think your news is exciting as well. I mean, an invitation to Daytona Beach for a baptism, man, I'll be there. <laughs> no, Nathan, only those that have been saved and not baptized. That does not include you. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was baptized in the Jordan River. But okay, brother. Hey, great uh, sharing the gospel with you. I hope you are all tuned in. Uh, have more excitement about the future and that your fear is a little allayed. Exciting times. Uh, the Lord is working. Keep your eyes open and keep your focus on him. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Rick Batista, Nathan Jones saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Nathan.